Hi, I'm Phil Albertelli, and this is The Week in Doubt, episode 175. Before we get started, I'd like to thank Born Again Atheist and Alan Marks for becoming Patreon supporters. I'm not sure if I already thanked Alan or not, but hey, as I like to say, it can't hurt to thank someone twice. It means a lot, guys. Thank you. So if you liked last week's episode, hopefully that means you'll like this week's too, because I'm going to comment on yet another Joe Rogan clip. I happen to be binge-watching some episodes of Joe's podcast, and during an interview he did with Eddie Huang, uh, the subject of Charlie Hebdo came up. And I'm usually a fairly measured guy, or so I like to think. I like to carefully weigh both sides of the scales when analyzing a topic, but I have some pretty strong feelings when it comes to Charlie Hebdo and uh, religion and free speech in general. And I took issue with some of what was being said, so I thought it made sense to talk about this on the show. And if you're not familiar, Eddie Huang is a chef, I hope I'm not butchering his name, H-U-A-N-G, uh, a TV personality. I believe he hosts the show for Vice, and uh, he's a pretty funny guy. Uh, I just tend to disagree with him on this one issue. And I'm sure most of you don't need a refresher on the 2015 Charlie Hebdo attack, but just in case, uh, I'll give a brief synopsis. Charlie Hebdo is a French satirical newspaper that features political cartoons. The cartoons are often pretty edgy, and the artists don't really pull any punches when it comes to satirizing religion. Some people have wrongly tried to suggest that the newspaper unfairly singled out Islam, but this doesn't appear to be the case. Um, just Google Charlie Hebdo covers, and you'll find just about as many uh, lampooning the Pope, Christianity, and Judaism, or religion in general, as you will Islam. In fact, I think the cover that's the most jarring, in my opinion, and also... Uh, inappropriately amusing, depicts the Holy Trinity having a threesome. I'll post the pic for uh, the YouTube viewers. But yes, they did go after Islam uh, here and there. And in response, on January 7th, 2015, two radical Islamist gunmen stormed the newspaper's offices or headquarters and opened fire, killing 12 people, mostly staff, including some of the publication's most well-known artists. I believe a couple of those killed were guests who just happened to be visiting. Um, the gunmen shouted, Alu Akbar, and the prophet has been avenged. After leaving the premises, they wounded a police officer and then killed him in cold blood, shooting him in the head as he struggled on the pavement before entering their getaway vehicle and taking off. And that policeman actually happened to be a fellow Muslim. And I always found that juxtaposition really poignant. On the one hand, a Muslim who assimilated and became a benefit to the community, became a law enforcement officer. And on the other hand, these two brothers, I believe they were, who instead of assimilating, became violent extremists. But the French president called it, uh, quote unquote, a terrorist attack of the most extreme barbarity. All right, so now that I've gone over the backstory, let's dig in. Here we go, and like last week, I'll chime in here and there and add my two cents. A long fucking time ago. I don't, I don't remember that one. Mm, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I don't remember the name of it, but people were mad as fuck. 
because I think he had like a sexual relationship with Mary in the movie or something like that. Oh, yeah. They start off discussing incidents where people had outraged Christians. Uh, Joe's having trouble thinking of the name of the movie, but it's The Last Temptation of Christ starring Willem Dafoe, actually one of my favorite movies. And in the movie, Jesus has a relationship with Mary Magdalene, not his mother Mary. That really would have got Christians worked up. Bill Donahue from the Catholic League's head would have exploded. People. The Last Temptation of Christ. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah people yeah, thought yeah. it was blasphemous, and the, but it's still... The thing about Christians is, man, you could piss them off, and they'll fucking get angry, and you get a few death threats, but, very, you know, it's not like someone drawing Muhammad, like this Charlie Hebdo yeah. thing. Like, that's the yeah. most fucked up yeah. of all the religions to, to pick on. Hard to argue with that. It seems politically incorrect to say it, but it seems to be the truth. Lampoon another holy figure, Buddha, Jesus, or Moses, and you might hurt some feelings, but you won't feel like you have to go into hiding or spend the rest of your life looking over your shoulder. Yeah. Pick on the Muslims and they you, do dark shit. You start to see a pattern though, right? It's like people, whether it's France or America, people in like a position of power feel like they, they're entitled, right? We talked about entitlement. They feel entitled like I have to be able to make fun of everybody. Uh-oh. Even though I already watched this, I can feel my blood starting to boil again. We're already getting into victim blaming. Instead of focusing on the horror of two extremists murdering 12 people over some cartoons, all in the name of their prophet, in the name of their man-made religion, let's instead focus on what the victims may have done wrong. And unfortunately, there were numerous examples of this kind of victim blaming in the initial wake of the attack. Remember, I think the Pope offered some kind of analogy about how if you make fun of my mother, you can expect a punch in the nose or something like that. Here's a little excerpt from the Washington Post. Calling freedom of expression a quote-unquote fundamental human right, the Pope outlined why he believes there are limits to that right. If someone, and here it is in quotes, says a curse word against my mother, he can expect a punch, he joked, according to an Associated Press translation. It's normal. It's normal. You cannot provoke. You cannot insult the faith of others. You cannot make fun of the faith of others. There's something about that that turns my stomach. We can't make fun of the faith of others. In my everyday life, I don't go around smacking Bibles out of the hands of old women or starting arguments over religion. I do my best to be respectful and find common ground. But in the public form of ideas, that's a different matter in my opinion. I think no topic should be off limits. We have to be free to be able to lampoon, satirize, or simply criticize any idea or belief system. You might even say in some cases we have a moral duty to do so. And by that I mean... You see religion having a damaging effect on society, whether we're talking about radical Islamic terrorism or Christian scientists, uh, not scientists that happen to be Christian, but, you know, Christian scientists that are willing to let their sick children waste away rather than concede to getting them actual medical care or a fundamentalist Mormon sect that marries off young women to perverted old men. In such instances, it's our duty to criticize religion, to call bullshit on it. But anyway, let's continue. Mm. And it's sometimes, it's just, is it worth it? Well, they think that you got to change the culture. That what I think a lot of people think that it's almost a responsibility to take those risks because at the end of the day, 
anybody that is angry to the point where they want to kill someone for satire is yeah. in the wrong. No, it is. And you have to protect. It is. You have to protect free speech. Bingo. Joe wins a Cupid doll. Brass tacks. Killing other living, breathing human beings over cartoons is messed up. It's an abomination, in my opinion. And I would imagine that as a stand-up comic. Joe probably really gets the free speech angle. Making fun of stuff is a comic's bread and butter. And if you constantly censored yourself because someone might find something you say offensive, you wouldn't have any material. And I think there's a certain nobility, for lack of a better word, in what comics do. They point out the absurdity of things. They get us to think. Sometimes they may even push the envelope while doing so which I think is also good because it reminds us of the importance of free speech and how even if someone says something controversial or unpleasant uh, that you take offense at, they still have the right to say it. I forget the saying, but there's something about how you don't need freedom of speech for the inoffensive stuff. It's there for the controversial and offensive stuff. And I think political cartoons actually serve an important function too. In a way, they may seem silly and juvenile on the surface, you know, these petty little doodles making fun of this or that, but I think the magic of political cartoons, at least good ones, is that with one image you can make a powerful political point or illuminate the hypocrisy or absurdity of something. Something that might take a writer a whole article to express a talented political cartoonist can get across with one image and maybe a brief caption. And I think people equate criticism of Islam with quote-unquote punching down somehow. I remember Ben Mankiewicz from The Young Turks got all hot and bothered when discussing the Charlie Hebdo cartoons with Dave Rubin. He talked about how it was like making fun of the powerless and rubbing their faces in it. And he heatedly shouted at Dave Rubin when Dave tried to point out that the Charlie Hebdo covers lampooned other religions, too, and didn't specifically single out Islam, but uh, Mankiewicz didn't want to hear it. Yeah, in a sense, it's not nice to make fun of someone we're taught from an early age not to bully or tease if we have a good upbringing. And in a way, wrongheadedly, in my opinion, I think people who disapprove of the cartoons in question, uh, that's what they think is going on. Like I said before, one-on-one, -on -one, out in the streets, I think, yeah, you should always be respectful of others and try to recognize the common humanity we all share. But the public forum of ideas, that's where I think the gloves have to come off. We have to be free to criticize any belief, no matter how dearly some might hold it. And when Eddie Huang asks if it's worth it, well, what's the option? Stick our heads in the sand, kowtow to political correctness? And why does this concern about the delicate feelings of others seemingly apply only to Muslims. You can make fun of redneck Bible thumpers till the cows come home, and no problem, but draw a picture of the Prophet Muhammad, and you should feel ashamed. You're punching down. But anyway, back to these guys. And the it's only way to protect free speech, like, Sam Harris felt that everyone should have, like, unilaterally across the board, like, every magazine, every newspaper should have published all those those images. That's the only way they could ever protect free speech. How do you feel? Well, I'm not a publisher, so I don't. Yeah. I see Sam's point, but I also see the point of people that don't want to publish it because they don't want to risk their lives for something that they feel like is a story they're reporting on. They don't feel like it's uh, their responsibility because they didn't create those cartoons, but they feel like this is a story they're reporting on. They can report on that story without putting them in danger. 
Yeah. This is not like the first time someone's been killed for making a drawing about Muhammad. I mean, there's like there were some credible threats against the South Park guys after they did those uh, episodes of South Park where they had Muhammad in like a guy like was in a teddy bear outfit and then they put him inside a truck he was talking from inside a truck and they still were getting like credible threats like people yeah. were saying they were going to kill him i absolutely believe in everybody's freedom of speech to say whatever it is you want to say like you have to have that right but you also have to know there's going to be repercussions you can't expect yeah. and, and you have to calculate it of course we know there could be repercussions and i think that's why there's often an element of bravery to exercising one's freedom of speech. Charlie Hebdo had already been attacked uh, back in 2011, I believe. They were firebombed. But instead of tucking their tails between their legs, they soldiered on and wouldn't allow their voices to be silenced. And don't say, well, maybe they should have shut up because then they'd still be alive. Don't blame the victims for their own deaths. Blame the killers. The gun-toting extremists who are willing to kill real-life human beings for a profit that exists only in their perverse imaginations and maybe existed at some point back in history. I don't know if there's any contention over the historicity of Muhammad like there is over the historicity of Jesus. We have, um, we have that whole Christ myth school of thought where there's people out there like Richard Carrier who think that Jesus may not even have been a historical figure. I straddle the fence on that issue. But anyway, I better rein myself in before I digress. Right? Because it's also, do you have to, like, did we have to make the interview? Mm. Did that movie have to get made? I didn't see it, so I can't say. If I saw it and it was as funny as, like, Team America, I would say. And to put things into context, Randall Park was also on the show prior to this segment. And he starred in the interview along with James Franco and Seth Rogen. Yeah. So I love it. Team America. You know, I don't even think North Korea's mad about Team America. It's so good. <laughs> no, right? I fucking love Team America. But that's why the South Park dudes, I love them. Because yeah. they have a purpose and there's something they're really saying. And, mm -hmm. and it's like everybody can be in on it yeah. in a way. The interview is not nuanced like that. Randall does a really good job for, I'd say, two-thirds of the movie humanizing Kim Jong-un. But then, of course, like the writing takes a dive and it just is like, OK, here's everything we expected to see in this movie. They had to wrap it up. Probably. They wrapped it up Hollywood proper. Mm. And, you know, it's for for people who are in like oppressed countries or in oppressed ideology. It's why I continue to poke them. Mm -hmm. You know, they're going to respond badly. So out of fear or political correctness, we should never criticize or satirize dictatorships or superstitious man-made belief systems. Let's never criticize anything we take issue with. We'll just sit on our hands and let bad ideas grow and flourish unchallenged. I don't know if my response sounds a little over the top there, but I just get so frustrated with this whole walking on eggshells thing. You kind of have a responsibility to, like, people just, like, don't fucking poke that dog. Don't poke that dog. Not to sound like a broken record, but why is the onus on the people exercising free speech and not on the barbaric individuals who storm embassies and murder cartoonists? Why are you lecturing the victims of violence instead of the perpetrators? And if you're going to poke that dog, you got to have a real solid, legitimate point to what you're doing. Yeah.
How about religions or man-made belief systems that sometimes help to fuel violence, bigotry, and superstitious thinking? Is that a valid enough reason? Yeah, there has yeah. to be a positive social benefit to like what's going on here. It's not just to like create a stunt to flex the muscle of freedom of speech. Even if it was a stunt, so what? People are constantly lampooning and satirizing everything. But this one group is somehow off-limits. Uh, it is above criticism. You can have a Broadway play goofing on Mormonism, but you can't draw a political cartoon that satirizes Islam. Um, is Charlie Hebdo widely read in oppressed Muslim countries? Uh, just as a point of curiosity, I wonder how many Muslims are actually aware of Charlie Hebdo and feel deeply hurt by it. Uh, there is something paternalistic about all this. No one stops to tend to the feelings of evangelical Christians when late-night comics make fun of televangelists or Bible thumpers or whatever. But be sure to treat Muslims with kid gloves. They really are sensitive and have a rough time of it, don't you know? And this is probably already a given, but I don't have any problem with comics uh, satirizing Christianity. Uh, I quite enjoy it. I'm just trying to make uh, a, a point here and illuminate some hypocrisy that I think is going on. Yeah, there's like deep responsibilities that you have when you tackle any like really super controversial subject. This is some deep responsibilities. Yeah. And that's one of one of the deepest, right? Yeah, just even me and you. I, I probably have the legal right to say whatever the fuck I want to say, but like why would I say that to you? I respect you. Do you know what I mean? It's just right. like, you know, we do it in our daily lives. Well, so. you could see, you know, I mean, I, I could see if they, I don't know. The Charlie Hebdo thing is strange because what, what was really fascinating to me was not, not necessarily, I mean, it was horrible what had happened. Yeah. It wasn't necessarily surprising, right? No. But yeah. what was surprising to me was like super progressive people who were criticizing the the magazine saying that this is in response for racist cartoons and they were almost justifying it in a way they were yeah. saying they weren't justifying it but by focusing on what they felt was racist cartoons instead of like hey so what you know, the assassins stormed a magazine and shot people and you would a grocery doing store yeah. Joe wins yet another Cupid doll. He summed up perfectly the victim blaming I, I was trying to allude to earlier. Yeah, you guys are looking for social brownie points by trying to be like the most progressive, sensitive, non-racist people alive. Like it's like, it's, it's there's only one response. The response is you should never kill someone no. for drawing something. Period. Absolutely. Bam. Thank you, Joe, for talking sense. It was actually really beautifully put or summarized. Absolutely. My, you know, I think what the articles, I fully agree with you. There's, there's no justification for any of this radical fucking stuff. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, you know, I, I don't even connect it to Islam. I think it, it's a cover. and it You sure about that? They, the perpetrators, claim their actions are in the name of Islam. They shout, Elo Akbar, the prophet has been, been avenged. I remember Hitchens making the point, and I'm paraphrasing, that when someone does something good in the name of religion, you'll automatically take their word for it. But when someone does something bad in the name of religion, you know, then it must be, uh, as Eddie Huang put it, a cover. Uh, there must be some other geopolitical or socioeconomic reason. And I agree that, of course, it, it's a minority of Muslims that actually commit acts of terror. 
but religion is still in the mix. You might think their take on their religion is wrong-headed, but nevertheless, in their own words, religion is one of their prime motivations. It has nothing to do with Islam. It, these are just people on their own doing wild, crazy, abhorrent behavior. My thing is, is as the rational people in the situation, as the rational people in a relationship to these radical movements, it's just, why incite it? It's mm -hmm. not worth it. So we should all stay quiet and fearful lest we upset the monsters of the world. Bullshit. You know, like, we have to be better. Being willing to criticize man-made belief systems, especially dangerous ones, does make us better. Using reason and satire to condemn superstition and barbarism makes us better. In my opinion, at least better than the extremists. Right, but when does it end? I mean, how do you stop that sort of behavior? Do you kill everybody who thinks like that? What do you do? I mean, how well, do you end... people keep joining ISIS. Right. And people keep joining Al-Qaeda. And, you know, there's a lot of those, you know, Vice, I think, did something called, like, Children of the Drones and, mm. and talked about how... I, I think me, me and Shane talked to you about it last time we were here. But it's, it's, you know, people whose families have been killed by drones, they'll sign up. I actually agree with Eddie on that. Hard to argue that dropping bombs on a wedding party might not win you any friends. Of course. They'll go do that. And you would too. And I would too. If you were in that land and your 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 family got killed by some fucking robot shooting missiles yeah. out of the sky and they killed the wrong people, which happens All way the time. more often than not. Yeah. They're way more unsuccessful than they are successful. Like they, think about it this way, Joe. Like their lives just don't count like our lives matter. I'm gonna go ahead and say that's BS. The actions of our government might make it look like we as a nation don't value foreign lives as, as much as we do our own. But I think most decent people would agree that no matter what your skin color, ethnicity, or geographic location are, we all have this kind of inherent worth as human beings, uh, in my humble opinion. You know, like this happened in Paris. It was terrible. There's a terrible tragedy. There's no justification for any of this. I hope you mean that. But then it's, you know, what's going on with Boko Haram. Those lives aren't worth as much as the ones in Paris. B.S. once again, Google bring back our girls. Not sure how successful it was or whether it was just a fashionable hashtag movement. But when Boko Haram started kidnapping hundreds of innocent girls and selling them into slavery, it garnered worldwide attention. At least in the eyes of the press and in the eyes of the aid. and Because there's Somalis that were killed and they're black. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, those are those are some of the factors. I think there's even more. But even with drones, it's like we accept that innocent people get killed. If this was... Speak for yourself. The idea of innocent people being killed by U.S. bombs sickens me. And I think there's probably a lot of other Americans who feel the same way. In America, I mean, we wouldn't accept this. Is it... Is if it, cops... Uh, imagine if cops were using drones. We wouldn't fucking accept that. Yeah, man. It's... it's... It's Nigeria, actually. Yeah. It's not, I was wrong. But the, uh, I don't know, man. It's just the, the, the world today, the climate of the world today, it's, it's so disturbing. It's so disturbing that we would think it's okay to, to engage in a practice where the great majority of the people that get killed by that practice are innocent. Yeah. Which is what drones are. Yeah. And also the thing for me is just like, I definitely, I definitely fully agree with you that there's never a reason to kill anyone over a satirical 
article, picture, whatever. But the fact of the matter is, it's like, do we want to save lives or do we want to make a statement about free speech? There's always going to be deranged people who might be willing to visit violence upon you for something you say publicly. Should we just ban all controversial speech or public criticism? Uh, Larry Flint, MLK, Gandhi, uh, and everyone else who ever exercised free speech. Maybe they just should have stayed in bed their whole lives. Maybe those are bad examples. Two of them ended up dead and one's crippled. But you get my point. We can't live with our mouths duct taped shut out of fear that we might offend some psychopath. The blood is on the hands of the murderer, not the murdered no matter how much you might dislike their message. Yeah. I think it's about saving lives. I think it's about doing the right thing and saying, these people feel oppressed. We've killed, you know, who knows why they're joining ISIS? Who knows why they're joining Al-Qaeda? But we need to go the extra mile and figure out why they're mad, address these things, and not just, like, sit on our high horse. Because they're mad. And, and they probably have some reason for it. And whether it's rational or not, let's diffuse it. I actually agree with Eddie somewhat. It's good to try to get to the root of a problem and see if you can peacefully diffuse the situation. Easier said than done, of course, when dealing with uh, violent extremism. But I still don't think we should have to give up freedom of speech in the process. The focus shouldn't be on lecturing the victims. The focus should be on garnering worldwide condemnation of a barbaric, blood-soaked acts of terrorism. Instead of inciting it. Like, that's my opinion, is that we're not wrong, but, like, let's solve the problem. And the other problem is once you have someone whose child who's the child of someone who was killed by drones or your children were killed by drones and you become, you know, this sort of a, a radical fundamentalist, it's, you can't turn that around. Like, no. how, there's no eye for an eye there. I yeah. mean, it's just like they, they, you've created something that almost has to go through generations and generations in order to calm down. And, and there's no way to have any sort of immediate fix. And everybody wants an immediate fix. You yeah. want an immediate fix. Oh, no, man. This is going to take hundreds of years. It, imagine even if you weren't killed by drones or you're just a kid in Iraq or Afghanistan and you've seen your entire neighborhood blown up and you're born into this life. You have no choice. You have nowhere to go. You have no opportunity. There's no hope. And then the one thing you have is religion. These, these people writing these cartoons making fun of you. Like, what else do you have? I was agreeing with both Joe and Eddie for a minute there. I believe no matter what your opinion is on all of this, there is no easy fix. This is indeed going to take generations or centuries to eventually reach some kind of resolution, if it ever does. But Eddie's sentimental portrait of some poor marginalized kid who has nothing but religion, eh, I'm not quite buying it. Are drones raining copies of Charlie Hebdo down on the kid? There's many of us who believe that religions are simply man-made belief systems. And although there might be some positive aspects to religion, they can also be harmful. They can be conducive to this kind of divisive, tribalistic, superstitious thinking. And I'm reminded of what Joe said about people trying to earn brownie points for being the ultimate nice guy or whatever, you know? Like, we don't have any right to publicly criticize, dare I say, even satirize religion. And what about things like FGM, which, yeah, 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 I know it's partly cultural, uh, honor killings, fatwas, and uh, death threats for perceived blasphemy. 
as in the case of Salman Rushdie, uh, what, we should never be able to criticize these things? It's all cultural relativity. Yeah. We're really kicking people who, are, who have nothing. And when you poke people who have nothing, not in a, it's not reasonable, but bad things are going to happen. And that's what fuels the sort of crazy conspiracy theories about the military industrial complex being this sort of perpetual war machine. Like, create enemies like that. That's the way to create enemies. Destroy areas, uh, kill a million innocent people in Iraq. That's the, the number that I've heard. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what the... It's somewhere between several hundred thousand and a million innocent people have died as a direct result of our actions in Iraq. Just that number alone, man. That's almost ensuring there's going to be some sort of a fucking military conflict over there for a long time. And the people that are alive today that are involved in selling arms in the military industrial complex, they're going to profit off of that action for a long time. And what do we have against these people? You don't have anything against them. Don't I don't know. have anything against them. How could you? I don't, I don't know, know why we're there. Like, no idea. And well, you we're know, there for false pretenses. Yeah. We're both places. I tend to agree, just because I believe strongly in the right to criticize religion, including Islam, that doesn't mean I'm some hawk who thinks the U.S. can do no wrong. Invading Afghanistan in response to 9-11 was one thing. Invading Iraq uh, was a horse of a different color. No decent person liked what Saddam and his sadistic sons were doing over there, but all we did is destabilize the region and by doing so, possibly facilitated the rise to power of groups like ISIS. And of course, the interference of Western nations in the Mideast goes quite a way back. Whether it's Afghanistan or Iraq, the, yeah. the idea behind it was a lie, especially Iraq. I mean, the idea that, you know, the one thing is like, hey, you know, we got rid of a dictator. Yeah, we definitely did. He was a piece of shit, no doubt about it. But as a piece of shit, we propped up. We put him in the place in the first place. We helped him out. Yeah. And now what's better? What's better? Is that better than ISIS? ISIS. Just kidding, Joe. I misspeak all the time. I'm sure there'll be at least a couple of blunders that somehow make it into uh, this episode. But I think I'm getting sick of this topic. I've said just about everything I can. Uh, so I think now... I'll move on to discussing a recent news story involving Richard Dawkins. Recently, he was banned from a speaking engagement or an event. And I'll read a little bit from Patheos just to give you some backstory or a summary. And this is dated January 28th. Last week, the Northeast Conference on Science and Skepticism, NECSS, opened up registration for its annual conference. I, uh, actually almost said anal conference, which draws hundreds of people <laughs> annually, not anally. Richard Dawkins was one of the keynote speakers. Last night, however, conference organizers withdrew its inv invitation to him with this statement. The Northeast Conference on Science and, Skepti and Skepticism has, uh, oh, I'm still cracking up, withdrawn its invitation to Richard Dawkins to participate at NECSS 2016. We have taken this action in response to Dr. Dawkins' approving retweet of a highly offensive video. That's kind of oddly worded. Response to Dr. Dawkins' approving retweet of a highly offensive video. We believe strongly in freedom of speech and freedom to express unpopular and even offensive views. However, unnecessarily divisive, counterproductive, and even hateful speech runs contrary to our mission and the environment we wish to foster at NECSS. 
The sentiments expressed in the video do not represent the values of NECSS or its sponsoring organizations. We will issue a full refund to any NECSS attendee who wishes to cancel their registration due to this announcement. And it's signed the NECSS team. And the way they're describing this hateful video, you'd think it was some kind of Holocaust denial video or something. Maybe footage of David Duke engaging in autoerotic asphyxiation or something, you know, totally crazy or over the top. But the quote-unquote offensive video they're referencing actually came from Sargon of Akkad's channel. I'm sure my YouTube viewers will know who Sargon is, but if you're an audio-only listener and you don't spend much time on YouTube, Sargon is a very popular YouTube personality. I think he's technically an atheist, but most of his videos tackle social issues, particularly topics having to do with feminism and so-called SJWs, social justice warriors. And social justice warriors are kind of online pejorative for someone who's almost fanatically politically correct. So Sargon had another YouTuber named Psy10, atheist, uh, make a video for him. Now, Psy10 is a famous or infamous, depending on what you think of him, a Christian apologist, but Psy10 Atheist is an irreverent YouTuber, an animator who produces a lot of funny short videos. And Psy10 is kind of a funny name. Uh, it reminds me of the Japanese cooking ingredient used a lot uh, by vegans. Um, it's spelled S-E-I-T-A-N. I think it's pronounced Satan. A vegan black metal chef did an episode of his cooking show entitled Hail Satan with uh, that spelling. Uh, but anyway, so Psy 10 Atheist made an animated video for Sargon, which depicted a fundamentalist Muslim and a radical feminist singing a song together about how much their ideologies have in common. And the two characters are actually based on real people. The feminist uh, character is a caricature of Chanty Binks, a.k.a. Big Red a radical feminist, uh, forever immortalized on YouTube, shouting obscenities at some relatively docile men who are trying to engage her in a discussion. I think there may be a video of her pulling a fire alarm in an attempt to disrupt some kind of men, men's rights event also. And the Islamist, quote-unquote Islamist, uh, figure is a caricature of someone known as Dawa Man. He's a young Muslim YouTuber, perhaps best known for a video he did, in which he tries to debunk atheism by suggesting that if there is no God, that all things are permissible, and there would be nothing wrong with quote-unquote drinking your dad's sperm. Sorry to put that image in your head, but it's true. The video is there on YouTube for all who wish to find it. But I'll play the audio from the Psy 10 video. I would play the video for my YouTube viewers, but I don't want to risk having my video demonetized. Gotta earn that scratch. I think so far I've earned a whopping $60 through YouTube, not even enough to collect yet. But anyway, here it is. I am an Islamist. I am a feminist. You might not think we have very much in common. But we share essentially the same ideology. And Muslims are oppressed just like every woman. I say haram. 
I say problematic. You say everything's triggering. And you say everything's uncharacteristic. Cause you are an Islamist. And you are a feminist. We have so very much in common. Say Islamophobia. I say misogyny. I blame the Jewish media. And I blame the patriarchy because I am a feminist. And I am an Islamist. A whiny pair of little spastics. You know what makes me feel like really marginalized, yeah? It is when ignorant people remind me that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam had sex with a little nine-year-old girl. Mohammed had sex with a child? Oh, that's awesome! That means that every white cisgendered heteronormative pedophile here in the West is guilty of cultural appropriation! And that's the real societal problem! Oh, yeah! See, it's easy when you look at the world through problematic glasses. Oh, who <laughs> thought that you and me would get along so well? I say social justice. I say jihad. I say slut walk. I say, whore, where is your hijab? Cause I am an Islamist. And I am a feminist. We have so very much in common. So, do you mind if I rape you now? Oh, don't be silly. It's not rape when a Muslim does it. <laughs> that is a good one. <laughs> In the video, it is pretty funny, at least I think so, but I have a warped sense of humor. And the video just depicts the feminist sitting at a piano while the Islamist character stands off to the side and sings along. So that's it. That's the video that got Richard Dawkins banned. And I can't find the tweet, but Dawkins tweeted out something about how he wondered if tweeting out the life of Brian would also get one banned. I thought it was a good point, a reverent comedy seems to be quite all right up until the point you dare to take on certain sacred cows. I think it's ridiculous. You have this guy who's a world-renowned author and evolutionary biologist who's done so much to promote reason and critical thinking and who's contributed so much to the quote-unquote atheist movement, and you're going to ban him because he tweeted a link to like a two-minute or so long satirical cartoon. It's political correctness run amok in my opinion. And the funny thing is, I believe Dawkins considers himself a kind of old-school gender equality feminist. He just seems to take issue with the overly politically correct, new-speak-laden kind of feminism that we sometimes find online or in universities. And uh, he, of course, got in trouble for something similar a few years back. There was that so-called elevator gate incident where Rebecca Watson took offense at being asked out for coffee on an elevator. Dawkins wrote a satirical letter called Dare Muslima, in which he juxtaposed the plight of oppressed women in certain Muslim countries, FGM, stonings, honor killings, burqas, etc., with the so-called plight of Rebecca Watson and her ilk. And that earned him uh, a lot of ire from the uh, SJW crowd. But I think it's a shame that a guy who's contributed so much gets demonized and blackballed for not towing the uh, politically correct party line. But with that being said, I'll call this episode a wrap. I hope you liked it. As always, uh, please like the Facebook page, follow the show on Twitter. You can rate the show or subscribe through iTunes. You can also subscribe through Podbean, P-O-D-B-E-A-N. That's where I host my feed. You can also find all my archives there going all the way back to episode one. 
And of course, there's the YouTube channel. Uh, if you'd like to help the show out monetarily, there is a, um, a PayPal widget on the Podbean page. There's, there's all that alliteration. Or you can donate as little as a, a dollar a month uh, via Patreon. That would be patreon.com slash theweekendout. All right, I think uh, that's all the shameless plugs. So until next week, thanks. I am an Islamist. I am a feminist. You might not think we have very much in common. But we share essentially the same ideology. And Muslims are oppressed just like every woman.